So today, actually, the, today's topic is uh, we're going to discuss the recent gift given by Mark Zuckerberg to, um, actually the gift was to, but he basically gave away 99% of his Facebook shares, which in today's market, or actually whenever it was a few weeks ago when he gave it, was worth $45 billion. Um, so he gave, that 90, he gave that all away, and he, to his new daughter, Max, his newborn daughter, is getting 1% of his shares in Facebook. So uh, we'd like to discuss that from the Torah perspective, um, about giving away lots of your money. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, and we, we touched upon this in a previous class, 2013, Anyone remembers we discussed whether um, in that case we discussed the case there of a fellow named Max Feinberg, interestingly also Max, Max Feinberg, who gave, who left in his will, he was a millionaire, he left in his will, um, I don't remember the amounts, but he, in his will there was a condition, a stipulation that the grandchildren, his oldest grandchildren, the only the only grandchildren who get it is is if they did not marry out. If they married non-Jewish, they would not receive anything. Um, anything of his estate, and they one grandchild took him to court. He was married. Uh, there was one grandchild who wasn't married to a Jewish woman, and he took he took the estate to court, and he lost. This is in the state of Illinois. We discussed it then. Is that necessarily a good thing? The grandchild, yeah. Um, the estate won, um, but here it's somewhat a different question. We're talking about more of a general question. The will is a little overlap between this and that class. But uh, we're here we're talking about a general question. Giving away your money in general, um, is that a good thing? Giving away a lot of your money. We tend to think, of course, as we know, the mitzvah of tzedakah. Charity is a very great mitzvah. A lot of, gets a lot of uh, mileage in the Torah. Um, but, as we'll see, it's not so simple. And we discussed this principle in passing in the past. Um, uh, the principle of, there's a principle of a fifth. Judaism caps you're spending to a fifth of your net worth, okay? Um, and we discussed this in, in relation to various other mitzvahs, but the actually the source, the original source is when it comes to charity. And it's a famous ruling. It was known as the ruling of the Kanat Usha. Usha was a, um, was a place somewhere in Babylonia. This is in the times of the Talmud. And the Talmud discusses they made many enactments in Usha. It was called the enactments. It was one day um, in Usha where they made something like of the 15 enactments. One of the enactments was this enactment known as Takanat Usha, known as the charitable Usha enactment, which in Hebrew the term is, um, states that if someone is lavishing charitable gifts out, they shall not, they cannot endow more than a fifth of their, of their net worth at the time. Okay, that's it's a Gemara. The Talmud states this in Subos. That's the quote number one here. It says, um, The sages enacted in Usha that one who lavishes money to charity should not lavish more than a fifth of it, lest he become dependent on people for his support. So they enacted that it's, um, and we'll see, it's questionable is it, is it good advice? Is it a prohibition? Exactly what it is, but, but they made a statement that when you're giving away your, um, your, your money, make sure not to give away more than a fifth of your net worth. Okay? Different from income, annual income, giving. Yeah, we're talking about what, what you own. Yeah, what you're gonna own um, halakhically is not, is not, 
can't give that away. Like, actually, something that's called, that's a different issue, which is called something which doesn't exist yet in the world. Your potential income um, doesn't exist yet. I mean, your annual income supposed to give X to Sadaka. Yeah, well, that's, temp- yeah, that's 10% of your earnings. That's something else, which is not necessarily obligatory. That's nicer. That's tithing. Right. Um, it's questionable if that's biblical or rabbinical. And if it's ab- obligatory at all. I mean, the, initial, the only thing the Torah talks about really is 10% of your agricultural, of your, of your farming. If you're a farmer, you give 10% away of your crop. Um, the Torah makes no mention um, of your income. The question is rabbinical, or we just we automatically. Yes, of course. No, that's an exception to the fifth of your net worth. But it doesn't apply when you're done, when when you're dead. What it, doesn't apply? So if someone dies, you can leave all your money. Well, we're gonna, that's what we're going to discuss. Not so simple. Um, not so simple. You want to take 80%? <laughs> <laughs> no, no more than. Did you get food? Yes. You look hungry, man. Pass around the... Good food. <laughs> pass everything around. Here's food. Vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying the vegetarian. No we, have, we have a lot of vegetarians here. No meat. Hey, hey, hey. Just lamb. Um, so, so, by the way, I forgot to make mention, um, in the context of Mark Zuckerberg, I did put here, that this discussion is theoretical in the sense of because his, he is married to a non-Jewish woman, therefore his child um, obviously is not he and is not obligated by halacha because she's not Jewish. So the daughter meaning so this would be irrelevant to his estate in the sense of halachically there's no obligation there because if your child is not Jewish then it's, you don't have to keep the laws of the halachic laws. Okay, so that's important to know. Sure, he feels better about that. <laughs> Um, um, if anyone did think Chan, his wife, was Jewish, should not. But she's not. Um, Priscilla Chan is her name. Okay, so getting back to us, so Takana again. So Takana is very clear. This enactment was made, um, and, it, and it gives even the reason here. The Torah, the Gemara, the Talmud says the reason is because the concern is. Obviously, we want more people to give more charity. But the concern is, obviously, the purpose of charity is to help the indigent. If you yourself are giving away so much that you are now going to have to go on welfare yourself and become a ward of, uh, ward of society, then we don't want you doing that. And that defeats the purpose of stock. Okay? So that, that was the enactment. So that's what it says very clearly. We're, the concern is the person will become dependent on, on other people for his support and therefore don't give away too much of your money. Um, being overly generous is not necessarily a good thing. Um, so now, the, the few questions I posed. Question number one is, really, what was the purpose of this law? I mean, what happened before Usha? Why would I think, what would a person think? That he can give away all his money? I mean, that's obviously ludicrous. Obviously, you're not required to give away, it would be ludicrous to tell someone that they're required to give away all their money to charity. Right, what exactly took place before this enactment? What was the purpose? What was the need of the enactment? Before this rule, so people were giving away all their money. What was the what was the issue? I mean, obviously uh, the assumption is you have to live your life. Obviously we don't we don't expect them to give away, and also you have to do other mitzvah. Being uh, religious costs money, as you know. Right, uh, the keeping kosher, 
buying tefillin, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's, it's not a cheap religion to send your kids to Jewish day school. So, so what, um, what was happening before this? We assume that every time a poor person comes, you have to give him everything. What exactly what was before Usha? That's question number one. Um, question number two is, is um, what about, does this only apply to charity? Or does it apply to other mitzvot too? So again, as we discussed in the past, let's say, um, you know, uh, keeping Shabbos maybe not a good example. Let's say keeping kosher is going to, you're going to have to spend more than a fifth of your net worth. Does that mean I'm now exempt from keeping kosher? Because it's going to cost me more than a fifth of Why is, is this enactment limited to the mitzvah of charity? To the obligation of charity or to other obligations too? Okay, that's question number two. Um, the question number three is, is this a, a prohibition? Say you cannot give away more than a fifth of your net worth? Or is it just a ni- some good advice? Okay, meaning we're telling you, listen, you want a, some good financial advice? Don't, um, don't give away more than a fifth of your net worth. You might end up on welfare yourself. But you want to do it, listen, if you want to be a very righteous person, you can do that. Okay, that would be, that's question number C. And the question, question of D, relevant to our situation here, Mark Zuckerberg, would be, is there an exception if you're a billionaire? So giving away, like in this case, giving away $45 billion really um, doesn't, is not going to put you on welfare. Okay? So everyone's very quiet today. Let's go. Okay, so let's, let's just start with question number one. So what was, what was what was going on historically prior to this enactment? Okay, so the those meaning the question is should we assume that maybe one is obligated prior to this? Maybe they assume you're obligated to give away everything you got. Okay, how did it work? So the Hassam Sofer um, lived in the 1700s. He writes about this. I didn't put it here on the sheet because I was too lazy to translate it from the Hebrew. He writes. Well, he says it's a fascinating thing. I mean, we live today, and we live in a society where we all have, not all, I can't speak for everyone, but people have savings and have their retirement funds and they have all their, you know, life insurance. People have a lot of um, technically what we call savings today. In the old days, it wasn't like that. You'd live your life. You basically had your expenses, you know, for the week if you're lucky, um, and you made, you lived day to day, right? So... So he writes, the Chassam Sofer says that before this, it could be, it's a, it would seem like, he says, that the requirement, the Torah requirement would be that um, once you have your days, you, you have enough food for the day, you have a place to sleep, you have a roof over your head for tonight, then everything extra you made that day, maybe you have to give away. That's why, maybe that's the assumption here. Um, whatever extra you have, if a poor person comes along, you'd have to provide it for them. Um, the only thing is we have a concept and we discussed this here in other contexts in the past of chayecha kodman that means your life takes precedent okay um, but as long as I have what I need for the meaning technically without that concept of, of your life takes precedence as we discussed in the past and we discussed it a few weeks ago in the, in the context of the Syrian refugees um, right that really uh, this person's life is just as important so meaning some, this guy needs food so I have to supply him with food just because I happen to make the money not him doesn't mean I don't have to supply them with the food. Just we have a concept of chayach and your life takes precedence. But once I have enough for my life, so now everything extra, I would think I have to give away. There's no cap on that. 
Um, once I have enough for the day, you know, the day, the week, I have to give everything else to the poor, to the indigent. So that's where he's saying Takara Susha came along. They made this enactment. No, that you still, you, you, you cap it at a fifth. You don't have to give away more than a fifth. Of, you never have to give away more than a fifth of your net worth. Okay, that's the way he understands the purpose of this enactment was that even if you have enough to live for the next year or ten years, you're still not obligated to give more than a fifth of your net worth. Um, and he brings the sources of where they understood this from. Others say, um, others say, no, that's not true. I mean, obviously, just logically, again, you wouldn't be obligated to give away everything you have. But who would think logically? Like we're saying, so many other expenses. You don't know what's going to be next week. You don't know what, the, you know, again, your children's day school. So therefore, you shouldn't be giving it away, even logically. You don't need to tell me. They don't need an enactment to tell me not to give it away. Okay, so yes. let's take Zuckerberg specifically. Yes. We pretty much know that if he gave 99% away today, he still has a job. And so for at least a few years, he's going to be paid. He's not, he's going to, and when I say be paid, you know his compensation's ridiculous in, in the scheme of things. I mean, he makes a lot of money. Okay, so yes. giving it away isn't, I don't think, what we're talking about here, what you just said, that living day to day. Mm-hmm. Plus, she works, she's, you know, so That's I... That's she works, why? What? Well, because she she's part of the deal, too. She's oh, so why they started she started together. Well, they met at, they met at like Facebook. I'm pretty... Uh, what, from what I understand, she is involved and she works. Now, maybe since they have the kids, she doesn't. Why is that real? What are you saying? Because oh, they have other income? Yeah, and so if they gave away more than a fifth, although it does say should not, it doesn't say will not in the Talmud. One lavish of charity should not lavish. It doesn't say will not. So, right? I mean, so you got to kind of take it case by case here. Do what? So you're you're addressing not, um, number D, Scotty. You're addressing is there an exception if you're a building? We're not we're not there yet. That's a different. That's. No, but I'm saying, okay. so you're saying there should be your your opinion. There should be an exception for billionaires. Is what you're saying? Not necessarily all of them. I wouldn't <laughs> want to speak for all of them because I don't know. But in the, in this case, you know that this guy is is not going to be unemployed. Right, but generally you should just know. Generally, any legal system and halacha included doesn't make we don't make exceptions. If there's a law. Let's say we're saying, let's assume this is a law, saying it's prohibited to give away more than a 50 net worth. You don't start saying, well, uh, you have this much, you have that. Okay, where, where do you, you well, the law is a law. universal law. Is it 100 million proportion? Yeah, I mean, why do, yeah, where do you draw the law? The government should do it, though. No, it's meaning the fact that it's a good point. Logically, you're right. Listen, he's a billionaire, obviously, then he's not going to lose. The question is, you know, we're not, we're not worried that Mark Zuckerberg is going to end up on wealth, is what you're saying. Correct. But, again, the question is, is there across the board law, do we make exceptions to the law? How does that work? Well, any law, we rarely do that. If there's a law, it applies to everyone. You can't start saying, well, tax code only applies to this person, not to that. Which one? Okay, so, so again, just going back to, to A, so the question is, what, you know, is what we're saying is, it was probably logical, even prior to this enactment, it's a very logical statement that no one's going to give away more than the more than so much their whole worth, obviously. The question is actually, like we're saying, where do you draw the line? Is it a fifth of your net worth? Is it half? How much can you give away um, and not worry about it? Okay, so that that was really 
question. And the Usha came along, this enactment came along and said you can't give away more than a fifth, is what um, others are saying. Um, I see the question is in, yeah. t- in terms of timing. So let's say you, you want to give away one fifth this year. Does that mean you can't give any more away ever in the future? So I think it goes by your net worth, meaning, yeah, you're right, meaning obviously, mathematically, Tom will discuss that, I didn't bring the, let me see if I have it. You, if the, you can give away one-fifth every year. Yeah, every and then soon, eventually, it'll right. Be, yeah. <laughs> right, so, so, you'll, so that, you'll ratchet down pretty rapidly. Right, so the math, the way, how, that's a good question, meaning let's say I gave away a fifth of my net worth this year, can I then do it again next year? So the Talmud does... I don't, I'm not such a math person. Go, it goes through the math. Get back, if it's charity, you're supposed to get supposed to give it back. So I'm supposed to give it back. So God, is, yeah, you'll make more. But again, the question is, like he's saying, let's say if every day I give away my fifth, fifth of my net worth, I'm, not, I'm still going to end up giving away. I'm not going to end up with, with too much. So it's based on, it's a good point. The, the Talmud goes through the math. I didn't put it here because I didn't really get the math. I'm not a math person. I didn't get the math. So, but it, in, uh, it, it does base it on the, the verse that says, you shall tithe, like we said before. It says, Aseris ben Allah. It says, tenth, um, I will tithe you. Give a tithe and I will tithe you. Um, so, obviously, your second tithe is not comparable to the first tithe. I didn't get the math, honestly. But, but it's a good point. It's a good question, exactly how that works. Um, when you can continue to give away and how often. Okay, so now... Um, so, let, I'm just, so there's a fascinating Gemara. I want to skip down to two. And we'll, we'll answer all the questions throughout the different texts, as we'll see. And number two says, it says like this, the Talmud discusses a story of someone named Marukva, who was a Tana, one of the authors of the, of, the, of the Talmud. And it says when he was dying, he said, bring me my charity records. He wants to see what he gave. Bring him his tax returns. And he says he found written therein they had given several thousand Siankian dinars, which I have no idea what that is in, in practical terms, but it was a lot of money. Um, uh, clearly, it was all, he had given a lot of charity. The, the Talmud goes through uh, different stories with him, how he had given a lot of his money away. And he remarked, when he saw how much he gave, he still said, my provisions are light and the way is long. Meaning, at the end of the day, you know, charity, the assumption, as the Talmud says, is it's provisions for your eternal life. Because the more charity you give, the the nicer you're, you're, you'll be in the future. But, he says, he says it's an eternity is a long time. So I gave a lot of charity, you know, my, but my provisions are still light, therefore I gotta give more for my, it's a long journey, Adam Lines. Eternity is a long time, so he wants to make sure that he, he's giving more for his future. So he went ahead and lavished half his assets to charity. So the Talmud asked this question, how was he permitted to do so? In Usha, they enacted that one who lavishes money to charity should not lavish more than a fifth. So what happened to the enactment of Usher? He was violating that enactment. So the Talmud answers, and this is what uh, Lou was saying before, that pertains only during one's life. But after his death, we have no objection to it. So meaning, the prohibition is to give away charity while you're alive, more than a fifth of your net worth. But what you do after, what happens to your money after you're dead, that's irrelevant. Because again, the concern is, we don't want you becoming a ward of society. After you're dead, you're not going to be a ward of society anymore. Okay, so what happens to your money after you die, you can give it all away, maybe. I, not so quickly, but um, the Talmud seems to be saying the prohibition of the enactment of Usha is only applicable during your lifetime, what you're giving away during your lifetime. What you're giving away after you die is, is there's no prohibition. 
So, so his proclamation was after I die, give half. Ooh, so that was yes, here? yes. That he's saying that's why he was allowed to do okay. it, was because he was giving it away after the. So doesn't doesn't discuss that. Yet. So we'll get to that. That's a different story. Get to it in a second. Uh, yeah, well, what effect anybody can do with it? How much he can give away? Then? Yeah, but, but it doesn't. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's Usha, a topic, yeah, that's that's a different topic of taking away from your inheritors. But as far as again, the enactment of Usha was not a con- concern of your children. It was a concern about you. Um, we don't want you being too generous because eventually, if you might end up. You know, uh, needing needing right. for, for us to support you. That was the concern. So, is there a definition so of a reasonable here? Yeah, okay, we'll get we we'll get this soon. Yeah, well, there I is. Was say, does that mean you have to? Okay, let me let me rephrase the question. Okay, Under, understand. Yes, what happens after he's passed away? He's not a burden on society. Right. What exactly. He, what he gives away in his death. Right, so that's that's what we're saying. That's what this talented Gomari is. What saying. about setting up again the babies in a different class? Right? I look forward to that class. Um, <laughs> leaving, making sure that when you leave, in this case, leave the world. Okay, so that, I mean, listen, so that's we're, we're going to talk. Yes, they had the wealth. They can prevent it from happening. I mean, right. but right, so, so we're going to get to it. But the point is, as far as again, we're just dealing with this initial enactment of Usha. Yeah. We're saying that was only they were only concerned about your you being becoming a burden on society. Therefore, you shouldn't give be too generous with your charity. That was their concern. So after death, they, that they didn't deal with. Now there might be others who deal with it though. But as far as that's concerned, so that's yeah, what the Talmud is. So their objection was specifically lifetime gifts and. But not there's a fancy word for after death gift. Um, does anyone know that? Bequests. What? Bequests? Bequest. Bequest. Oh, there's a better word. So, um, that word. Mm, you don't know this? Fancy word for uh, after death gifts. No, after death gifts? Yes. No, oh, nice word. Okay, well, whatever. Um, anyway, so so this is uh, this is so that's that's answer number one. Here. So again, now this interestingly enough in the the codifiers, meaning in Maimonides, you don't find them bringing this law in the Shulchan Aruch. The Jewish Code of Law doesn't state this. Um, it's only in the Ramah, only the the amendment to the Shulchan Aruch, to the Code of Jewish Law says this in number three. It says at the time of his death. A man may give to charity anything that he wishes. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know, it seems like there's no cap. Mm-hmm. What? After death, no. There's your charitable foundations. Probably no, no, again, I'm talking about legally, I'm talking about halakhically. That's the question. Halakhically, can one give away everything after death? The Ramah seems to be saying, if you take them in the literal sense, every, you can give everything away, it's not a problem. It's not so simple. There are three opinions I did find. Um, um, in the Ramah, and as you see, actually, the next number four here, we have the Shiltas, which was again written in the times of the Talmud, it's a Medrash, says um, in, in Leviticus, he says, even at the time of one's death, he should not donate his entire, he, he brings this law of Usha, the enactment of Usha, and then he says it's prohibited to give away more than a fifth, but he says, but in death, you can give away only up to a third. Okay? So they really raised the cap. They're saying, even though Usha was not applicable, meaning the fifth of one's net worth, 
is not applicable after death. He says, but if even at the time of one's death, he should not donate his entire estate to charity. Death bequests should not exceed one third of one assets. So they, Usha, um, sorry, uh, the Shilta seems to be putting a cap. Um, sorry, I said it's at the times of the Talmud. Actually, it's post Talmud. It's around 200 years after the close of the Talmud. This was written because it's the Gaonim period, the period of the Gaonim, Achai Gaon. So this was written around 200 years after the close of the Talmud. They seem to be understanding that even after death, there is a cap in one third of, of your assets. Okay? Um, the assumption is, because like you're saying, that even though we're, we're no longer concerned about you being a burden in society, but well, still have the, his wife, but right, still have a, an estate, right. So we're, we're concerned about the offspring, right. Um, <coughs> Although in this particular case, even if he doesn't increase his assets at all, he didn't give, give away anything. It would still be one fifteen billion to charity and thirty billion. Was you talking about Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg. Plus yeah. Okay, well, death taxes, they go from 30 billion down to 20 billion. Oh, 10. But, or, or 15. But still, that's a lot of money. Yes. You're saying in Zuckerberg's case, we still left right. a lot of money, yeah. Which, which would just go to the child or the, and the wife if she survives, and who's saying what they're going to do with the money? Yeah, well, there is no one else there. They can do whatever they want with the money. But again, the issue is do we have a law capping the amount you can give away? During lifetime, we're saying you clearly do. Um, now, I'm not, not sure. I'm, I'm assuming Zuckerberg was giving away after. He's giving away now or after his death? I don't remember. The foundation started now. Does anyone know? Can someone look it up? Look it up. Google it. Is Zuckerberg's gift in his lifetime or it's a bequest? Yeah, the, there's been a lot written about his gift as being less than uh, meets as good the as eye. It yeah. uh, that he actually created a new LLC in which he uh, transferred all of his assets, and then that LLC is going to be a, a non-profit, albeit it's driven to make profits, it's just not going to pay it out to the individuals, and there'll be funds available. It's really a tax shelter for him. It's a sophisticated maneuver. It, he didn't write a check. He didn't transfer 99% of his Facebook ownership tomorrow or today. Um, now, the, the details are not fully disclosed, but it, it, it's not a transfer, you know, 100% transfer. He still retains control and, and voting rights. It's like a charitable foundation almost. Yeah. Uh, it, yes, it, it's, it's, it's some it's sort of a cousin to it. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. Yeah. He'll draw a salary from there too. Pension. <laughs> for managing it. insurance, absolutely. So you know, it's will not give away or somewhere in a billion dollars in Facebook shares per year for each of the next three years. It will not sell or give away more than a billion. Current stock prices means we'll give away no more than nine million shares in a single year, which would be about two percent of the four hundred million he owns. So it is complicated, right? So is it lifetime or voting control of Facebook? It's long. Two percent. Yeah. It's, it's a marketing move for him. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Tax. It's marketing tax. Yeah. It's an LLC, not a charitable trust or traditional family. Oh really? Foundation. Yeah. So that is. So, yeah. It's not a non profit. Profit. Right. So it's means LLC. It's, it's marketing. It's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. more flexibility because there's a lot of requirements also with being a trust and. Uh, 
a foundation. So he may be doing it to have more leeway in his giving. That is true. Because he distribute a certain amount under different guidelines. So mm. who knows? So okay. So again, so now uh, I'm saying there's, there's three opinions. Actually, some if you take the Rama on the literal number three at its face value, you're saying there's no cap on your post-death and your bequests. Okay, you can give away as much as you'd like. The Shiltus was saying caps it at one-third. Um, others... But he's four is after three. Four's decision was made after... Uh, no. No, four actually, was three, four was before, but, it, but it's not brought in and uh, okay. codified. Okay. Um, now, we're going to see, so we're going to see soon. There's, there's a third opinion um, who says, and this goes back to what you were saying before, that it really it's a sliding scale. You need to leave enough for your kids to live on. Now, we'll talk about that when we get to that soon. I mean, it has to be the question is what's considered enough, depending on your kids, depending on where you live. And, right, so, so it's, 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 it's good, as we'll see soon, that's, that would be a third opinion. So again, opinion number one is time of death, you can give away as much as you like, no cap. Opinion number two is third there is another opinion that actually says a half um, um, and and then as we're going to see there are other opinions who state you need to leave something for your kids to survive so we're going to get to all of those okay now number five states like this says um, not, also this is in the Talmud it didn't see it codified it's just in the Talmud Shmuel stated this judge should not preside over the writing of a will which gives a greater portion of an inheritance to a good son over a bad son this gets back to that initial question. Can I take away, meaning th there's, a, there's a major problem which we never really discussed in detail here in the past, I don't think we did, which is that the Torah says, states very clearly how you're supposed to give your inheritance um, away. Okay? Um, meaning which family members, there's a hierarchy in family members. Um, in today's society, it actually doesn't seem so politically correct, but uh, I'll just, uh, what it is, is the Torah states very clearly, the firstborn son, gets a double portion of the estate. That's off the bat. Okay, firstborn son gets double portion. I think that's right. I, I <laughs> too, frankly. Love that rule. Right. <laughs> I also think it should be coming to get shared everybody. <laughs> <laughs> to make up for the lack of my mod bio. Okay, so firstborn son gets double portion. Um, the uh, And then every other son gets one single portion. The way it worked then, and again, this was really, it seems sexist, but it was actually protection of the, of the girls, of the females in the family, would be that the sons from their, their state have to support um, the wife and the, and the girls. Meaning, technically, the girls get no portion of the estate, but they have to be supported handsomely by the estate um, forever, more or less. Until they get, actually, if they're single girls, only up until the time they get married. Um, if they're single, single women need to be supported by the state and the wife um, up until the point where they marry, where they marry them, they have to be supported by their husband. So that's really the Torah's form of, uh, of, a, of inheritance. And if you, you know, have daughters, is the same thing? The older huh? daughter? You only have daughters. Oh, no, the daughter, so, the, no. so if there's no sons, then the daughters get Right, but with the daughters, the oldest Not the first one, no, out. then they split it even. Even. Yeah. Okay, so it is. That's the famous story, actually, when the first feminists uh, we see in the Torah um, is the daughters of Tzlefcha, their father, they, was no, they had no brothers. And they came arguing with Moshe, we want to, why should we lose out just because our father didn't have any sons? And, and God said to Moshe, they're right. The feminists were right. They should get a portion. So that was one of the first 
acts of feminism you see in the Torah, but, but that's only if there are no male children. Um, that's when they get a portion. So, but the b- bottom line is, so you have a, if you live your life um, by the Torah, there's a, there's a major problem in all inheritance. Because if you write a will and you're giving your, your, giving your estate, you're giving up your estate, whether it be to your wife, to your ex-wife, to your whoever, to, to your other kids, and you're choosing one kid over the other, so it's in direct contradiction to the Torah. Question is, is it even valid halachically? So the, the trick, there's always a loophole. The loophole is, again, like we're saying, as long as, in this case, it's the opposite. If you're doing it, if you're giving the gift during your lifetime, then there's no prohibition. Torah says, after death, this is what happens, happens to your estate. But if I, what you do is, and this is a halachic will, the way it works is, um, there are many lawyers who do write these wills, halachic will is, you write in the will, and a second before death, this is what happens. So as long as you put in that stipulation, then you sort of, um, you're avoiding the Torah's definition of inheritance, because it's not inheritance. It's a lifetime gift. It's a, not a lifetime gift, but again, depending on how much you have. A lifetime gift, but it's a lift, a gift during your life. So then you're avoiding the, the laws of inheritance of the Torah. That's the way, so that's the, the loophole around it. Now the question is, and we discussed this in the Max Feinberg case, um, which is, what happens if I prefer this? I don't have happy with his son because he, like you said, he's mar- he married out or whatever the case is. Um, he, I'm estranged from this child. Do I have a right to take away from this? So that's what the Talmud is addressing here. It says, a judge should not preside over writing a will or an attorney, which gives a greater portion of inheritance to a good son over a bad son. Meaning that's not a Jewish thing. We don't say because you like the son better, this son should get more or this daughter should get more. No, but it's, it is kind of that concept. Um, here, looks, here, look at the next, look at number six. It says, one who leaves his property to another and leaves nothing to his legal ears, even if they're not worthy, even he, he did it because he said, my ears are not worthy, I'd rather give it to, uh, to Planned Parenthood. Okay, whatever it is. The spirit of the sages does not, does not rest well, but the acquisition is valid. Meaning, legally, there's nothing to do about it. We're saying it's not a good thing. We, we, we frowned upon it. It says the sages frowned upon someone who took, who changed his, uh, his estate to take away from even a son who really did, he did things they shouldn't be, you feel like you shouldn't be getting part of your estate. Says the, says the Talmud, we frowned upon that because yeah, it causes family case, fights. Was, was, it, was this an after the fact issue in regards to the one son had already married? No, it wasn't son, it was grandson. It happened after the death of the. Of the, of the I believe it happened after the death. So, or, why, or I, I, okay, so I understand two. this if you've got, you got two sons, all right? One married in and one married out. So now you excluded one, all right? But now, let's say later on, these kids are maybe only 15 years old. So t- 10 years later, they both get married. They already know the stipulation. You marry out, you're not getting inheritance. Yeah, but so they, they contested be, it. They contested it. The their right. action created the, the issue. So why can't their action, knowing in advance what was going to happen, why, why does that not go around this issue? Why this topic? The Shmuel's opinion. They know the no. act. They knew the act. They knew what no, but again, beforehand. again, because Shmuel is saying we frown upon people changing what rightfully belongs to someone just because you don't like their act, just because you don't like them. Whatever reason, religious like reasons. They had the opportunity. They both had, you know, they're both right. young people. They were not so married. Listen, so listen, we're not saying we shouldn't frown upon their action. You should frown upon their action. We're saying is that doesn't, we frown upon you changing the laws of inheritance. Just because you don't like this, who he's marrying. That's, that's not, you know, that's, you shouldn't take it out on him with, with money. Causes family fights, whatever, I don't know, I don't know why. It's a good question. Yeah. But that's what it says, we frown upon. <coughs> okay. But going back to number five. Yes. 
it doesn't seem, it seems like that's pretty narrow. Shmuel said the judge should not preside over the writing of a will. So right. the judge can't do it, but let's say someone else... No, it just means else. in those days it was a judge, today we have attorneys. We get attorneys. Or you have a, your computer oh, program. It means it's, we frown upon that being done. It's a we general statement. The will, the right. Right. Well, it happens to be in those days, I guess it was judges. So if, what if I write the, work, write the will myself? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's frowned upon. The point is yeah. it's frowned upon. That's, that's right. It's the principle. Now, number six is an interesting thing. Again, I'm sorry, number seven. Um, meaning, let's say someone leaves a will, and in the will, he writes, distribute the estate to the best beneficiaries. Okay? He has kids. That's all. He leaves a very vague statement. So says it says the Rama, uh, meaning, so you think, listen, there's great charities out there, J.I., Best beneficiaries, let's find the, the best charity out there and give the money to the best charity. So many good causes out there. Okay, someone just told, uh, I was telling someone this morning, giving this class, he said Borat just gave something like $100,000, uh, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha Cohen, yes, uh, to, to uh, Syrian refugees. Um, it's a beautiful charity, he, that was his charity, to, to uh, inoculate them from something, I forgot what it was. But the point is, right, so, so find the best charity, give it to the best charity. Says the Ramat, no. The, the, what you should do with the money, there's no better way to distribute it than its legal heirs. And le- give it to the legal heirs. Meaning, that is the best way. Halacha says, the best thing is your family should get your estate. Don't think that there's no better charity than your family. Okay? Okay. Um, again, listen, if he specifically <laughs> left the charity, we'll talk about it. But here it was a vague statement. He said, give it to the best, the best possible, uh, best beneficiaries. So who's the best beneficiary? Says the Ramayat. This is in, codified in the Code of Jewish Law. That's his, that's the, his ears. Okay. Now, now, there's a few exceptions. So now what we're saying is, it seems like it's better not to give charity in your will. And all these uh, federation pushes and many um, non-profits push, endowment funds, you know, the people should leave their money in their wills, right? So it's, it would seem from here that's not a good thing. But the Aruch HaShulchan does say, the Aruch HaShulchan, there was a uh, commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, says that, as we mentioned in the original story, the Talmud, where he was concerned about his eternity. So it says, perpetual tragedy for the memory of one's soul and one's indigent relations, meaning for memory of other relatives, are appropriate for a wealthy individual, and this is the general custom. That there is a there was a general custom, people who did have could afford it to leave charity within their will as an endowment because even though we're saying but again this would sound like only if you're also giving to your heirs. So to just leave it all to charity, that would be a problem, as we're gonna see soon. So that would be a problem because again, it should be going to your money should be going to your ears. If you have a lot of money and you have you can give also charity, it's also to help your soul your own soul out. Again, it's your life takes precedence. That's always the rule in, in Jewish law. So the fact that charity, the assumption is in the Talmud, that charity will help you for your future life, for your eternity. So therefore, even after your death, you should leave something to charity um, in that sense. But not at the expense of the heirs. Um, meaning if, if there's not going to be anything, if you're going to give all your money to charity, that would be a problem. Now, how, now where do you draw the lines? That's the question. Okay, so... Um, so, yeah, so this is where Moshe Feinstein has a beautiful response at length discussing this issue. And he says like this, he says, he says, um, you are allowed substantial charitable death bequests, meaning leaving it in your will. And this was a question posed to him. Um, we, let me see if I have, I don't have the full response in front of me, but the question was, again, um, someone left a substantial amount to charity. And the question is, is that allowed or not? Is that a problem? Um, 
it was more than a, a, I believe a third of his of the person's estate. So, so what he says is, he allows substantial charitable death bequests as long as he leaves the son a significant amount, quote unquote. Okay, he needs to leave the the heirs a significant amount, and he declares again this this response was written in 1966. So the question is, we have to figure it out for uh, inflation. He declares that even in our time, in 1966, leaving each son a thousand dollars is sufficient. I don't know. Someone could Google what a thousand dollars of uh, in 1966. Uh, we'll we'll see. $2,700 at 2%. That's it? Oh, no. I'm saying 50 years. Yeah, 2%. No, that's investment. We're talking about uh, what yeah, inflation. Right, so not more than 2%. 10 grand, my original guess. Uh, 10 grand. <laughs> okay, so he says, leaving, leaving your son $1,000 sufficient. He argues, the problem is uh, you have a rabbi writing, you know, rabbis, their uh, aspirations are not, <laughs> not exactly, <laughs> you know, they don't fit with the rest of society. Um, he argues that even those who are not childless or not ought to worry about the post-mortem consequences of various sins, and regardless, it is always in one's personal interest to gain additional merit, meaning to give charity in your bequests. He further suggests, and continues on the back of the page, he further suggests that the prohibition against disinheritance applies only when it is motivated primarily by the desire to disinherit, and the good deed is merely a secondary consideration. Where the primary motivation is the good deed, there is no problem at all, provided that the heirs are left a significant amount. So, meaning, like we said before, the issue here in this case was, the question is, you're disinheriting your heirs. If I give everything to charity, so there's a disinheritance, okay? So even, he's saying even that is not a problem. Let's say I give everything to charity, it sounds like he's saying, would not be a problem, except if my, my motivation was because I didn't like this kid, or I didn't like my kids, period, or my wife, or ex-wife, whatever the case is, right? So I, I specifically am giving away my money to charity, I'm going to show them, I'm going to give it all away. But if my motivation is because I want to—I want to be a charitable person. I want to be a generous person. He says then it's not a problem even to disinherit your children. So he—so he's making a very important statement, meaning that again, the, the problem with disinheritance, he's saying, is only—it's because of your motivation. We don't—the the, the Talmud is against, um, you know, ha playing favorites, okay? Or you know, I don't like what you're doing as a child. Therefore, I'm going to give you what you meant you got married to someone else, I'm going to show you, I'm not going to give you any money. That's where the Talmud has a problem. But if your motivation is because you really think this is a better cause, and then your children are having it, let's say in Mark Zuckerberg's case, or if, I don't know, whatever he's going to give his money to, to, uh, to whatever it is. So if he thinks that's truly a better cause than his children are having the money, so so be it, then he has a right to do that. If his motivation is not to disinherit the children. So if he came to me, if, he had, if Weinberg had put in his will... Feinberg. 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 Had, had put in his will... Um, let's say each kid gets ten thousand. Let's, let's use today's numbers, right? All right. But he had a, you know, still had a million dollars in the state. All right. That would have been split fifty-fifty if, if the two kids and one Jewish. But one marries out. So now, is that does that get around using uh, Moshe Feinstein's uh, analysis here? That at least he left the kids something, but now yes. he's not getting. Yeah, for sure. According to Moshe Feinstein, he's saying yes. Would that, Meaning would that satisfy Shmuel. I think so, meaning, again, Moshe Feinstein going with Shmuel, he seems to be saying that yes, as long as you're leaving them something significant, then all, all bets are off, that's fine. You can do that. 
It's only you're when you're not. When you're little, but in this case, by the way. The good deed. The good yes. deed is to have the kid marry Jewish. No, so. motivation means. Your motivation is because you want to give charity, not because you want to screw the kid. That's, that's oh, what he's saying. That's a bad motivation. Trying to, to, to say, I'm going to, you know. Be motivated by the good. That right, is requiring exactly. the kid to marry Jewish kind of screwing the kid. I mean, I don't, you know, you're giving him the option. No, that, no, we're not screw, that's not screwing the kid. The fact that he, that he does. It. Because he did not. That's not. But he'd rather get, obviously, he'd rather give the kid the money. So yeah. in this case, it's not that he's, he's doing it because he doesn't like it. It's a good and a bad. Yeah, well, it's thing. going. This, he didn't give it to charity. He's giving it to other kids. I mean, I guess. Oh, okay. So maybe maybe he, well, maybe yeah, he gives Yeah, it wasn't it. charity. So it what was if he just gave that? Okay, so maybe designated. You don't. You don't. If you don't get it, it's going to charity. It's going to support. All right. So I don't. I don't remember the details of the will, but I, each grandson who married you, no, it's been each one got a certain X amount. Yeah. And if you, but, but if you married out, you didn't get that amount. You didn't get anything. Right. That's what. I, that's all I remember. Did, okay. If you rearranged it like. Everyone gets right. ten grand and oh, by the way. Right, no, if you'd say everyone gets hundred grand, this one gets ten grand, that would be fine. It wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. That would be fine. Okay. Did he sit? I was gonna say, can he marry another guy? So another class? So again, so Ramosha Feinstein is saying uh Again, very clearly, again, he's, he's setting the bar very low, $1,000 sufficient in those days, 1966. I'm not sure what, you know, how he defines sufficient, his definition of sufficient. But it has to be something, again, that's sufficient that they can, I don't know where you draw the line, what they live off of. So, in, in my, again, in Mark Zuckerberg's case, I don't think there's an issue here. Clearly, uh, whatever, the 1% of Facebook, of his stock of Facebook, is probably sufficient for many years to come. Well, uh, sufficiency, you know, what's result. sufficient? when the kid is one or when the kid is 40 and uh, I mean I know and I'm you know others do you know if not you've certainly read about trust fund babies who get a million 12 million 88 million and never do anything and they don't get wards of the state but they don't find any useful to the state they don't find any usefulness in their lives and I know people like that they're not happy Mm -hmm. They only productive I, I, lives. They're, they're, they're not productive in, in any form or fashion. They, you know, why why should they go work somewhere as a, a lawyer making three hundred fifty thousand a year if they got a ninety nine million dollar trust fund? So, but going back to so, so again, but that's so that would be sufficient motivation not to give them everything, but not not to give them any. That's from the that's same right. same principle. Right, and then and then they fall into the what's enough, and is ten thousand enough, or is you know for a lot of people three hundred thousand is is enough. Right. So so if you did that though, let's say it's let's say twenty million, and I'm saying that because you said eighty, and I'm just trying to figure it. So by giving an offspring twenty million, is that satisfying teaching him to swim? You understand what I'm saying? Am I giving him enough to say, okay, I don't have to take it responsibility. Here's 20 mil. Teach yourself how to swim. You understand what no, I'm saying? You have an obligation to teach him. So well, would the 20 million well, take care oh, of that? Oh, you're saying is that, then, you know, right, I don't have to teach him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Million. You're, uh, saying, you're okay, saying, so, you're so, saying so, I don't have to teach him. Because right, he's, he's, exactly. He, he What's that? So I'm giving it to him. Yeah, but the rule of thumb is in. So whether or not they do anything. Especially the, like you're referring to those, what do you call them? Trust fund babies. Trust fund babies. I'd love to meet them. 
It's like okay, that kid yeah, was just uh, they just had his, his the kid in the Bel Air affluenza. Yeah, and he killed someone the, at the affluenza. There's, there's an example. Right, so the point is that that so that's not in the sense of teaching. As we know, many of those kids end up blowing all the money. Right. <laughs> you know, have twenty million and buy six uh, Jaguar, you know, six really Porsches and a, you know and a couple and then that's it and they lose the money. So so you need to end up at the end of the day, everyone needs a skill in life, except for Rabbi. So everyone needs a skill <laughs> to, to make it at the end of the day. Because you need to, you know, even with money, because unfortunately you end up day trading and then 20 million is now left with 50,000. It's a significant right, amount. You go gambling <laughs> and gambling. Is there any obligation you know, many keeping them, you know, each take on Shabbos kind of principle that you have to, you have to keep them in that lifestyle if you spoil them rotten? Oh, so that, so that is a fascinating thing. I just, I, in my research for this topic, it came up. Again, I've seen this before, but there's a, there is a halach in charity that you need to, when you support an indigent person, indigent doesn't mean indigent. It means at the level they're used to. So if someone was a millionaire and now they lost all their money in this oil bust or whatever the case is, and they're used to having a chauffeur, again, halachically, you're required to, to give them that chauffeur. No, but they need to learn a job at Ross. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but... The, but obviously, again, in the, in the laws of priority, it's really relevant because we have limited funds as a society, so we're obviously going to help the people who can afford food as opposed to the person needs a chauffeur. But technically speaking, assuming we had money, we'd have to supply him with what his, his lifestyle, no, that's what he's saying. Uh, what's sufficient? Sufficient is a relative term, depending on where you grew up and, and where you're from and who your parents were. So sufficient is a relative term in the laws of charity. That's, a, that's explicit. Um, meaning what a person's needs are, some, some as we know, persons, one person's luxuries, another person's needs. So, you know, one person, uh, so that's a, it's a fascinating law, which is problem, troubling to many people. So, okay, as to so Austin. Back. Yeah, it's troubling to Austin, basically. Humans all have the same basic needs. No, that's not true. Totally not true. There <laughs> people who will die without having... Uh, some people could be vegetarian, some people can't no, survive on vegetables. He's single. Right, he's single. 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 He's things in life, and they, it was much harder to survive on nothing. Because it's just a fact. I mean, you live the way, if you're used to eating a certain level, and all of a sudden you, that's taken away from you, you, you're much weaker in that sense. As I'm not saying it's, it's and this is anecdotal, I don't know if the studies have been done, but it's, it's part of uh, your, yeah, I'm saying, right. Meaning, uh, you, in different societies, you, you can survive on less. Yeah. So, so back to this, Zuckerberg. So as long as he's not putting himself into the state of being the state, uh, more of the state, what he's giving away, dealing with all the other issues that much involved, well, it's fine. Right. He's so fine. far, he's yes. Going to much fine for sure. No issues. So size of now, he's you know he's yes. he can take good. care of himself. No, he doesn't need charity. The son, or Zuckerberg the himself, or, or himself. the son. No, well, we're talking about himself. Who can give away? Right, he's so not, saying even if you do it in his lifetime, it's still not a problem. He's still not going to be Even if he's doing it in his lifetime, it's still not an issue because he's right. still taking care of it. He gets yeah. like a salary person, Maybe. like a foundation as well. That's the other thing I was going to say. A lot of times people create a charitable foundation, and the kids are the board, and they're compensated. 
So there's no difference. He could be doing that. He doesn't need that because he's a different category, but that happens a lot where the kids, I know a lot of those people too, they're in a family foundation, they, they don't really work. They go to a board meeting once a year and the CEO who's a CPA tells them what to do and they show up and they say yes and they're paid. Sometimes they go quarterly. <laughs> quarterly, <laughs> that's true, it's you not know, that easy. You know. <laughs> check. They have to Man, come back right. So that's not really getting rid of control either though, because if you still have an yeah, internal trust run and giving away money like him, that may be the case here. Yeah, but the question is if you can't take it back. Yeah, but well, so you don't really owe it. I mean, control is, right. means but it's still not yeah. yours. The other issue would be <laughs> the other issue would be um, even listen. Zucker, it's an interesting question. Let's say Mark Zuckerberg. Even if he wouldn't have any money left, he still listen. David would hire him. Let's say he was all his money. David, someone else would hire him. He can get a job and leave. So I don't know how that works in that situation. But I want to just finish off. There's two more pieces. We got two minutes left. I want to finish here. I'm actually late, but I, but I might actually have two minutes left. So two other things. The Chafetz Chaim says, he seems to argue in Russia, France, and he says like this, he says, do not lavish more than a fifth. He's not applicable to the very wealthy. So he says explicitly that it wouldn't be applicable to Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Chafetz Chaim died uh, 70 years ago, but he foresaw Mark Zuckerberg, where they were never made the enactment. He says the initial enactment of Usha wasn't applicable to billionaires. So as long as he endows it prior to his death, and he will not have to be supported by society, is then permitted, as we see from the story of Marukva. So Marukva, he says, wasn't even, he could have done it during his lifetime, that original story in the Talmud, because he was very wealthy. Some say that the enactment, enactment was only of more than a fifth, was only when he's seeking out the poor. So there's another interesting loophole. He says that's only that applicable is when you're going to seek endowments. You want to endow your money, so that's when you can't give away more than a fifth of your worth. He says if you have poor people knocking at your door, or organizations, or whatever the case is coming, who have a need, then it's not applicable. He says you're allowed to give them even more than a fifth. He says, like, his case is if you have poor or coming to him in need of food or clothing, or captives, he's permitted to give them to fulfill their need, and this is a pious act. He says that's a good thing. And of course, it is f if it is for life-saving measures, then of course he has to give them more than a fifth. So meaning if the person's going to die because if you don't give them food, he says, of course, then in that situation, you, you're allowed to give more than a fifth. You have to give more than a fifth also. Okay, that's another thing. So just in conclusion here, last paragraph is normally, so normally a person should not donate more than a fifth of his assets to charity. A person's first obligation is to provide for himself and his family. Um, so this is very important, as we'll see. That's the key point here. You're, you and your family come first. If he's overly generous, you find himself unable to fulfill these obligations to your family, to yourself and your family. But this limit does not apply to a testamentary gift. That was, that was the word I was on. Testamentary, which means post-death. There, there is a debate as to the limits. Some allow up to one-third of his estate, others put up to one-half of their estate. Third opinion is any amount provided, that's the Moshe Feinstein that we just said, that a significant sum is left to the halachic ears. A person's priority in charity should be his own family. If he has relatives that are struggling, it would be more appropriate to leave the estate to them than to support an unrelated charity. So in other words, I have a choice to give your money away. Let's say you have no children, but you have a first cousin who is doing well, or your uncle is not doing well. So the question is, give it to, should I give it to to uh, Federation or to my relatives as give the money to the relative? Again, obviously, the pay, you know, if it's a million, then you can give it to the relative and to Federation. But the point is, it's not necessarily get better to endow your money to a charity. Your family comes first, as we said many times, in the hierarchy of charity. So even after death, if you're leaving money over, it's best to give it to a family member who needs it, as a, even if not your, technically your ears, as in, in your children. Thank you very much.
following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j ethics.org. Shalom. Shalom.